1: Welcome to a special edition of the Weather Geeks podcast. We're talking Hurricane Laura. Where is it going and how strong will the storm be? I'm joined today by meteorologist Sarah Dillingham, also a Weather Geeks producer. We're going to break down the storm from every angle and also be sure to catch the weather channel for the latest information. Sarah, thank you for joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast.
0: Thanks for having me again, Marshall. Well, we've got a, a different picture this morning, don't we? <laughs>
1: we do a picture that includes a potential major hurricane at landfall somewhere along the Gulf Coast. What, what's the latest from your lens, Sarah, at the Weather Channel?
0: Yeah, well, you know, we're we're meeting here just after the 11 a.m. hour, so at 11 a.m. we get a new cone and new full update, and so we're you know we were just talking about the latest data coming in and checking and see how everything's changed and you know, we're still on par now to have a, a major hurricane potentially making landfall along the Texas-Louisiana border, um, and it, it's unfortunately probably going to make a, a big impact. Um, the surge first surge values came out yesterday, and the hurricane center went 7 to 11 feet in some of the most vulnerable areas right off the bat, so that was a little unnerving to see that, and unfortunately, those values seem to have held, and they've even increased that uh, let me bring up our latest graphics here. They've even increased that to nine to thirteen feet um, in some isolated areas, and we're we're still updating our graphics now. We you know we have a huge graphics package, so. Yeah, it's, uh, the picture's not looking good um, for
1: those portions of the Gulf Coast. Yeah, it, it, mm-hmm. it's you know, let's just kind of recap what's going on, because the storm, you know, we've been tracking Laura uh, as it was kind of meandering just south of Cuba, interacting somewhat with the uh, Cuban landmass and some of the mountains. Uh, that was sort of slowing some of its act together, but it held itself together pretty well, given those influences. It's now cleared Cuba and as we were talking about in yesterday's special episode of Weather Geeks, uh, there's plenty of warm water in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, there's actually less shear than what Marco was dealing with, so uh, all indications are that rapid intensification or significant in- intensification should occur. Now, I do know that in sort of the last few hours or so, there's been some dry air that Laura is battling, and that may temporarily temporarily, I emphasize, um, sort of hinder some of the organization and intensification, but we, we expect it to kind of move, move out of that regime, right?
0: Yeah, we do. You know, um, it, you know we were talking about yesterday that southern track of, um, of Laura and kind of the core of it missing Cuba, right? And so you end up with a stronger storm coming out and now entering the Gulf of Mexico already as a hurricane. kind of what we were fearing yesterday is what has happened where it did not diminish the storm's intensity and break it apart as we had hoped it was able to stay a little bit more organized with that center over warm water and now that it's continuing to go over that warm water we're really starting to see it get back together and we were talking about the potential for rapid intensification yesterday and you know that's really held true through today or we're still looking at that potential whether we're definitely looking at steady intensification right as this continues to be more organized and kind of get out into the open waters. But that rapid intensification, that's what so many of these Category 4 and 5 hurricanes, uh, that's the process that they undergo. So um, if this were to undergo one of those RI cycles, we could be looking at a major hurricane much sooner than what is currently in the Hurricane Center forecast. and they know that. We all know that. But um, it's just something that we really have to watch closely in the next 24 hours. Or so. and,
1: and and you and I were talking before we went on the air about, you know, some tendencies or trends in the models. So right now, I believe there are hurricane watches, I believe, up along parts of the, the Gulf Coast. Uh, yeah, from so perhaps, some of those Bay. have
0: even been upgraded to hurricane warnings now but and storm surge warnings. So, yeah, okay, we're so in we that time in frame. Morning. So um yeah so really the time to prepare is now you know that's what our messaging is going to be obviously today on the weather channel we're going to continue to time out the impacts city by city so you have a good idea of what to expect but now is the time that evacuation calls are being uh, ordered by local emergency managers so um, with these surge values being what they are we are expecting you know we already do have voluntary and mandatory evacuations in some locations i would only anticipate those two Continue uh, throughout the day today. So, if you are told to get out by your local emergency managers, it is really in your best interest to do so because you know we say hide from the wind, run from the water. You know it's the water that is the deadliest impact from a tropical cyclone it's that storm surge flooding, and unfortunately, these values could be quite high and go several miles inland.
1: Absolutely. And, and you, you need to, if you're anywhere from Houston, eastward and along the coast, coast of Louisiana, and even along I-10 there in Louisiana, you, you need to be making those um, preparations now, keeping an eye on this. Because again, there could be little tweaks. Remember, we issue a cone of uncertainty. Uh, we don't give lines or specific tracks. That cone of uncertainty allows for us to account for uncertainty that we fully expect in the models or what the atmosphere decides to do. So don't don't get anchored or locked in on the, the line. Focus on the cone, because one of the things I've been noticing, Sarah, is this storm's a bit large, uh, much larger than Marco. So uh, the surge, uh, rainfall, perhaps even land tornadoes that we see at landfall would cover a much larger area simply because of the size of the storm.
0: Yes, and it's that right front quadrant that we talk about when we talk about the, the greatest storm surge impacts um, and also the uh, potential for tornadoes. Um, So that is certainly going to be a possibility. The Storm Prediction Center already had uh, outlooks issued for a good chunk of Louisiana um, yesterday uh, for both today and tomorrow. Um, We'll expect those probably to be continued into Thursday as well, even once the storm moves inland, because the more intense this storm gets before it makes landfall, the longer it's going to take for it to spin down. Obviously, when you get it over land, you know, it loses that warm water heat supply because these are massive heat engines that convert you know, water into water vapor and it's that release of energy in the atmosphere that drives these storms. So you lose the warm water, they start to spin down, but you start from a higher point, it's gonna take a little bit longer. So areas inland need to be very cautious about some of those stronger winds moving inland, causing power outages, down trees, uh, damage to your homes. And then the in-flood aspect, like you said, There could be widespread areas of five to eight inches or more, maybe up to a foot in some locations.
1: And let's think about some other sort of complementary hazards or implications. For example, I made the point on Twitter just a few minutes ago that much of the US's oil and gas refinery capacity, chemical capacity is in this region of Louisiana and Texas. So we want to be careful there. And then we also have to remember we're in the middle of a coronavirus pandemic. And Mm -hmm. so as people are evacuating, uh, they need to think about what they're taking with them. Those hurricane evacuation and preparedness packs usually include things like batteries and flashlights and charged cell phones. Now they should probably include face mask and disinfectant. And even when we get in those perhaps shelters as well. So there's a lot more things to think about in an already bad situation. And now we're dealing with what, I mean, I'm seeing meteorologists and, you know, we, we sometimes weather gets hyped on social media, but this is not a hype situation. I think this has the real potential to be a, Very dangerous storm, or a significantly populated area, and an area with a lot of infrastructure.
0: Yeah, you know we, and obviously the pandemic is something that we're really addressing as well. You know, when you're evacuating, like you said, I mean, picture the the scenes that you typically see before a hurricane makes landfall, or you know, a large storm. You see lines of people at home improvement stores, grocery stores, just trying to get necessary supplies like food, water, you know, power supplies, that kind of thing, and you know, ways to deal just with power outages. Now you're having to put the PPE equipment like your face masks and equipment on, or, and uh, sanitizers on top of that. Now I do I do know that some local shelters are going to be providing things like sanitizer, face masks, hopefully some hand wipes as well. So. Um, If you do have to evacuate to a shelter, they are very mindful of that, trying to deal with the social distancing. So um, that's something that they've been preparing for now for months and they're having to carry out those plans now. So, but it is still probably in your best interest to try to have something with you as well, just in case, you know, these shelters get overloaded, you know, and and run down in supplies, everything's going to be in short supply. So uh, it's going to be a challenge for many people. You know, my heart really goes out to them having to deal with this. It's Um, bad enough, you know, having to shelter. But, you know, there could be potentially people who are sick who are having to find shelter um, and make different concessions for those people. So um, it's certainly a challenge. And so you really just need to stay updated to your local emergency officials and what they're telling you to do um, and try to follow in line with that.
1: Yeah, and I was just, while you were talking, Sarah, I was pulling up the latest rainfall uh, QPF from uh, WPC, the NOAA Weather Prediction Center. And I'm seeing, you know, a swath along the path of the storm as it makes landfall of six to 10 inches of rainfall. And some of those six to 10 inch values go into, uh, uh, up into, you know, Northern Arkansas, and so, so we're talking about as you alluded to, sort of lingering impacts, and already already have wetness there from Marco, uh, you know, saturated soil. So that exacerbates or amplifies the flooding and the potential for falling trees. Which, in some work we did at the University of Georgia, and by the way, I'm talking with meteorologist Sarah Dillingham, uh, meteorologist and producer for the Weather Geeks podcast. Um, undergraduate work at the University of Georgia, and graduate degree from Texas Tech. So someone who knows their stuff, and so grateful to have her on today. And but I was. As you you Alluded to earlier, we were talking about that the storm can have impacts far inland as well. So, we don't want to let your guard down even as we move past the landfall point as well. This, this is going to be an all encompassing, yeah.
0: yeah, it really is. And, and one thing I do want to know about evacuations you know, we obviously often have this um, conversation with Dr. Nab, you know, former director of the National Hurricane Center, who is um, our tropical expert now. And, you know, when you're evacuating, you don't necessarily have to go states away, right, to evacuate from when evacuations are ordered due to the water impacts of the storm surge. And so if you have a friend or family member, um, other people that are close to you that you could shelter with in in lieu of a local shelter, that would also help um, with the capacity of those local shelters. And and plus, you know, if you are concerned about COVID, you know, going with people that you know may make you feel a little bit more comforted, right, and just that there's that smaller group. So also consider that. Uh, as a possibility, you know, get on the phone with friends and neighbors that are further inland. um, So you don't have to go very far, but you can still shelter and evacuate as, as you've been told.
1: Now, Sarah, we're going to get ready to wrap it up here and give you some final thoughts. But before we do that, I just want to share some sort of tidbits. Uh, If you're not following on Twitter, he's a, he's a wealth of information, putting things in perspective. Um, He basically notes that if, uh, Laura becomes a hurricane, which it has. Uh, It will be the fourth hurricane of the 2020 Atlantic season. Other seasons with four or more hurricanes by August 25th, We're 1886, 1893, 1916, 66, 95, 96, and 2005. So we haven't had this much activity before August 25th since 2005. And a lot of people are sort of thinking this season may end up looking quite a bit like 2005 in terms of the number of storms. We ran out of names in 2005. had to go to the Greek alphabet. Uh, So with that context, Sarah, what what are your final words on uh, Hurricane Laura and where we need to be thinking about it going forward?
0: Yeah, well, with uh, the 2020 season, you know, it's been, um, we knew it was going to be above average. We knew it was going to be busy. Uh, you know, when meteorologists, we, we kind of hesitate to compare past seasons with the current one, right? I mean, what, but we knew things looked similar to 2005. We knew 2005, um, how it looked in the beginning of the season. So we don't like to compare season to season. But we have seen that trend, right, where we've seen a lot of named storms already. were above pace on on that, we heard, you know, saw the National Hurricane Center um, and other entities like Colorado State increase their number of named storms, uh, for the forecast for this season. So um, hopefully with the number of storms that we've had already, uh, that has gotten people to sort of be on guard a little bit more than they might have been in past tropical seasons that, you know, might not have had that uh, messaging as much that strong of a messaging as it being a busy season. But when you compound that on top of the pandemic, I, I think that's something that, you know, none of us going into the, the winter season, right? Looking ahead, we're thinking about, you know, so it just makes it that much more difficult. So um, if you're not prepared, you still have a window to get prepared. Um, so within the next 24 hours, it's very crucial. If you are in those areas that are under hurricane warnings or storm surge warnings, uh, you really need to be thinking about Uh, where you're going to go if you are told to evacuate where you would go um, how long you may be there and get those necessary supplies and you know and just to keep it honestly tuned to the weather channel because we are talking about everyone we're talking about every city location timing out the impacts and the latest forecast from the hurricane center so it's really going to be crucial to um to keep updated in the next 24 to 48
1: hours Yeah, and that's great advice. Just just tune it to the Weather Channel because those are the experts, you know, they are covering all aspects of the storm locally in there. One quick geek out before you leave, Sarah, because I've been seeing some chatter on Twitter about GFS versus the European model in the storm. And a lot of hint, people out there saying, well, this has not been one of the sort of greatest shining moments for the euro, which typically is the better model. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the GFS has been a little bit better sorted out out on this storm. And perhaps even the h has done pretty well in some aspects of the structure. Any, any final thoughts from you on the models?
0: Yeah, you know, we, we, I feel like we go through this, uh, you know, every year, right? With the like Euro versus the GFS, and, and you've even had uh, guests on our podcast, right, where we talk about this and the, the modelers kind of chuckle about this, you know, um, comparing the Euro to the GFS is like compare, comparing a Corvette to a Lamborghini, right? They're both world-class models, as you have said. So, you know, I think what we really need to pay attention to, not put all of our credence in one model or the other, but how those models work in tandem. Right. It's, it's all about trends. Right. So um, looking at those model trends and not specifically one model run is very important, especially in a scenario like this.
1: And that's great advice. And what, what I see as we close out is both the European, I'm mean, sorry, the European and the GFS and the UK met three of our big three models are all saying major hurricane at landfall. That's where we have to end And I want to thank uh, meteorologist and producer Sarah Dillingham for joining us on the weather Geeks podcast. I want to give a big shout out to Josh Vexler who's been helping us out with uh, these, uh, rapid fire podcast as well look it takes a village to do these podcasts and we appreciate you the listeners as well be sure to keep it on the weather channel for the latest on hurricane laura i'm dr marshall shepherd from the university of georgia we'll see you next time